Hi, Wanakee friends. Welcome back to another episode of Big Red Farmhouse, a podcast brought to you by Wanakee, a summer camp and retreat center in the Lakes region of New Hampshire. We're your hosts, Shannon Drew, Nicole Richards, and Amelia Luke. On today's episode, we speak with Kat and Dan Reed, a couple who met at Wanakee while working on summer staff and have been involved in Wanakee's ministry ever since. They share stories from their time working together and as volunteer directors and counselors. We hope you enjoy. Well, welcome Dan and Kat to Big Red Farmhouse. We are so glad that you are on the show. If you would just start by telling us about your history with Wanakee, um, how you got there and what your um, trajectory looked like. And uh, we'll start with you, Kat, and then we'll move to Dan. <laughs> okay. Um, hi, thanks so much for having me on here. And thanks so much for doing this because it's such a great way to record uh, Wanaki's history and to share with people all around the world, um, a place that we know and love. Um, I started going to Wanaki in the mid-90s uh, I think I was in third or fourth grade and started with camps like Footnotes and Drama Camp. I can't remember what it was called, maybe maybe just Drama Camp. Um, did bike, Bikes, Boots and Boats, Outdoor Odyssey, Ropes, Rocks and, River, Ropes, Rocks and Rivers, um, and then moved up to like Senior High, uh, Extreme Adventure, and LIT, which I actually did with Nicole. Um, we were the only two girls in that site, and it was awesome. And yep. um, <laughs> then I was going off to college, and I went on to staff. Um, so that was 2004. And in 2004, I was the dining room hostess. Then I counseled for two years. Um, the first year was 2005, and that's the first year that I directed survival and then I was the assistant program director um, and then I, I graduated from college and went to work in the real world which was not my favorite summer and so the next summer I came back and I begged um, Mike and Jean to let me do anything and they had a space in the kitchen and so I, I went back into the kitchen um, and then Dan and I got married at the end of that summer. It was 2009. And we made a promise to go back as often as we could and to volunteer. And so for the next five or six years, um, we volunteered and we ran survival camp. So that's me. <laughs> that's awesome. And obviously the two of your stories intertwined. Dan, do you want to give your side of things? Yeah, sure. I guess. For me, it's slightly different because when you're an international, you don't grow up with camp. And so it's not like you have that trajectory of being camper, LIT, on staff and know what you're getting yourself into when you come onto staff. And so you know, I, I applied in 2004 um, as my gap year between university and law school. And I thought uh, I'd always wanted to work at a summer camp. And so it looked like a really, really good thing to do. It was that or go to Nepal. Things went great in Nepal at the time, and so you know, fate aligned and had me come come over to Wanaki. Um, and I, I applied through the international program. And I guess my my first impressions were probably uh, not what you'd expect because I, I get off the bus, and British people are generally a bit reserved and not very tactile. And I get off, and, and Tim Reekoff, Ferris, Ken Mantler, and Sharina Goulburn wrap me in giant hugs, and I'm thinking, what have I let myself in for? <laughs> and then. We, we get to camp at about 11 p.m. And I've been traveling now for 48 hours with the other internationals. And we walk into the farmhouse and we get this great big American hello and welcome. And Matt Manta hugs me and Nicole hugs me and Mandy hugs me. And I don't know who these people are. And I'm thinking, oh, no, <laughs> this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> but the, the next morning, um, we we had a tour with uh, Mandy Bernaisi. You probably don't remember that she was... Uh, water waterfront director and then got straight into it doing some work with Matt doing some work with Nicole and I just remember the first night singing songs before dinner so then great songs and dishes and sing Matt Mansa sing and seeing his energy and I thought I need to be like this guy if I'm going to get the most out of the summer I need to be like him and from that point on I threw myself into camp fell in love with camp fell in love with 
the staff fell in love with looking after the kids um, and it became a really, really strong part of who I am and, you know, what, what my identity is. So um, missed in 2005 for personal reasons, um, trying to get a job, came back in 2006 as a volunteer for four weeks um, and then was on staff in 2007, gap in 2008. Came back for wedding camp in 2009. So Kat and I, <laughs> Kat didn't say it earlier, but we actually got married at, at the outdoor chapel at camp. And so we had like three, three or four days beforehand with all of my friends from the university and got to show them camp and got to take them out canoeing and, and get get them used to camp ways. And then, as Kat says, we, we volunteered and directed survival with Nicole from 2010 to 2015. Awesome. Wedding camp. I love that. <laughs> That's funny. Well, thank you both for sharing. So Dan, when you, when you first came to Wanakee, what were some of your, like your first impressions? Were there things that surprised you or that you found weird or things like that? So Grace on Dishes is an unusual thing. It's an amazing thing. Don't get me wrong. Like, with, with hindsight, it's definitely one of the best things about Wanakee. But when you come in as an outsider and you see people sing Grace, and then sing three songs after every meal and then do the dishes. And the dishes is really, really super important because it's that serving element. But mm-hmm. it, it, that, that was a bit bizarre to me. Um, but only bizarre, as I say, for about 24 hours because I think Nicole mentioned this, that we used to go to McDonald's as a staff in 2004. Um, so, mm. so Kat and Nicole would dress up. <laughs> Kat, in, Kat in particular would put on her nicest dress and high heels and we go to McDonald's and then Matt Manser, Kaylin Sweet or I would stand up on uh, a chair and sing the Johnny Appleseed Grace <laughs> at full volume. And, and so we properly bought into, I properly bought into um, that, that, that camp mentality. I, I guess the hardest thing, um, that I just, the strangest thing was probably seeing that there's no electricity up on the hill at all that you know you, you're getting used to walking up to site six and knowing you've got to deal with the toilets before you get up the top of the hill and you've got to get water before you get to the top of the hill was a surprise but actually then when you're when you're sat at site six and you're having a fire and you've, you're up on the hill you're away from everything the fire starts to die down it's just it's a beautiful spot um, and that that lack of modern amenities to me is one of the real charms about camp. So that, that rustic feel, I think you get so much from it when you're with the campers because you can just switch off and then you can just focus on being quiet and still and then trying to draw the campers out themselves. Mm. Definitely. Um, Dan's dating us because uh, we were, like, just before the upper shower house came in. So when we were counselling in 2004, 2005, 2006, um, when you left the parking lot, there was no electricity on the hill, <laughs> um, mm. which would have been different when you guys were campers because then the shower house was put in and then there was running water. Right. <laughs> yeah, so we used, to, we used to all queue for about 30 minutes outside the farmhouse while everyone went to the oh. toilet <laughs> and then you would <laughs> trace up the hill. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Do either of you have a favorite Wanaki tradition that you would want to share? Kat, do you want to take that? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, the traditions? I think so much of camp um, from the start of the week to, to the end are little traditions that you might not even realize. Even mm. having spaghetti and cake on the first night when you get there um, so that when you, get, when you get back to camp each summer, it feels like something that you know um and then like alaloos and pizza I mean I guess for me my favorite tradition was pizza um specifically when Dave Ashon was the cook and he would make like special hot pizzas for the staff and I would judge how good the pizza was based on how many milks I had to have with it in order to keep the heat down (laughs) so I'd be like oh Dave like perfect pizza it was a two milker so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> three, three milks was too spicy and you couldn't actually taste everything. One milk, it wasn't quite spicy enough, but like a two milk pizza was just the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, Kat, you had 
on your with your time on staff, you had many different roles from working front of the kitchen to back of the kitchen to working on the hill to working in um, other support staff and leadership roles. If you would go back and do one of those jobs now, which one would it be and why? <laughs> um, I, ooh, I would probably say counselor um, because when you're a counselor, you get to do all the different activities with the kids. You get to really watch them grow throughout the week and you get to really help, help them kind of find as a site and then like help them move out of their comfort zone. Um, I didn't mention that I was also certified to lead adventure programming. And so I think that might be tied. I loved going up in the ropes course. Um, but I think even when I was doing that, I still felt like you could pull some of those elements into the counseling, but then you could also go swimming and then you could also, um, you know, go on an offsite trip with them, which was really, really fun. So I think, I think counselor, I think you really feel like you're in the moment and get to be with them. You get to stop and be with a group of kids for a week. And that's really cool to see. Hmm. Yeah. And Danny, if you came out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got your answer. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Nicole, Nicole, I, I'm surprised you're not asking me because I only ever counseled. It's the only thing I ever did. And for me, it is the, it's probably the best job I've ever had. I say that now in a, in a career I absolutely love, doing a job I absolutely love. But as a counsellor, as Kat's already said, I think you've got that day-to-day -day interaction with the kids. It's, it's exhausting because you're always on. Even when you're asleep in the cabin, you're always on because you're always on edge that something's going to happen. But, uh, and I, I've always been quite flippant as well about it in, in kind of saying it's the best job I've ever had because, you know, someone cooks you breakfast every morning, you go for a swim, you have a nap, someone, or you have lunch, someone, you have a nap. Um, <laughs> And, and, and then, you, you know, you might do some rock climbing, someone makes you dinner, you have a fire, you're in bed by eight, rinse and repeat. And th that's, that's like your daily cycle. And once you get into that daily cycle, actually, then it is the best job because you're with, with the kids the whole time. You build relationships with the kids the whole time. Um, you, you just you get to know your campers in, in such a good way that. I don't think, and I, I can't speak from experience because I've not done any other role around <laughs> camp, but, but for me, for me, it, it was the best job because you, you, you got that day-to-day -day interaction. You're, you're there for the campers. That's why everyone's on staff is to make sure that, you know, each individual camper for as little or as long as they are at camp has the best possible experience. And as a counsellor, as a counsellor, you're, you're the front line for that role. And, you know, partly I think we got to, we got to see that bear fruit because we were fortunate enough to be able to counsel say you Amelia for I, you know I think you, have you been counseled by all of us over not over me. the years not cat <laughs> yeah no nope. not cat okay <laughs> but, but I, I I was fortunate enough to be able to counsel you a couple of years in a row and then you came back for for ultimate survival and so by then you know I I, I knew you I, I knew what you were like Amazing camper, by the way, if anyone listening didn't realise that. Um, and it, it, it was really, really cool to watch you, you grow in a way that, uh, and we were able to do that because we'd counselled you. And I don't know whether, Nicole, you had a similar feeling. About Amelia? Yeah, I, I kind of yeah, like seeing her come back and coming back, counselling. Yeah. Dan and Kat, you both know uh, that if if I could go back to camp again for, for a summer, I would love to be a counselor for a whole summer. I never was um, when I was on staff. And so the experience that you're talking, that you're both talking about in terms of seeing campers grow was something that I had for one week every summer um, at other than the summers that I was on staff. Um, so that being able to throw yourself into um into that and and give your full attention to this group of people that is your family for the week is something that has always been really special um yeah yeah i think now nicole you added up all the weeks that i counseled and all the weeks that you've counseled you've like out counseled me 
by quite a few weeks by now. It could be. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not a competition. (laughs) (laughs) So counseling is definitely uh, a rewarding job for sure. I think, yeah, everyone here has counseled in some capacity. and, And I definitely enjoyed my time as a counselor as well. But it's also challenging at times and it pushes you to grow as an individual and we were wondering if you could each maybe share a time that a camper challenged or changed your perspective in some way and it doesn't have to be in a difficult way but just a time that maybe shifted your thinking and in some aspect of your your counseling Dan do you want to go first so uh, I, I, had a, I had a camper when I came back in 2006. We're going, going to call him Camper B. <laughs> and he was, one, he was one of those campers. I don't know if you've had this experience where on Sunday before check-in, someone comes up to you and says, oh, Dan, I need to talk to you about Camper B because he is the toughest camper I've had all summer. And that used to happen to me pretty much every week. I'd get someone come up to me and say, this is the toughest camper I've ever, I've ever had. And often my experience would be, no, they're just not, not tough campers. Um, but uh, this guy was, yeah, he was, he was a really, he was a lovely kid with a ton of energy. And uh, for me, I always felt like the home relationship was one where he was clearly loved, but didn't quite feel like he was getting enough attention. Um, and so that was really what he was crying out for when he was playing up at camp. Um, and when I say like playing up, he's a, he's the kind of kid who would do something like we'd go to Weir's beach. He'd find a random test tube on the beach, bring it back to camp. And then like rain is falling off the, the farmhouse and he's, he's grabbing it in, in the test tube and drinking straight out. <laughs> so as soon as I saw that, I was like, camp B, go and see the nurse. Um, <laughs> But that that was, you know, that was by the end of the week. And I think what I, the, the way I always approached it was Sunday night, I was super strict as a counsellor, like really, really strict. Um, put in place those boundaries so that by the time you got to Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you were loosening up. And by the end of the week, but life was fun because you could always go back to being super, super strict. And he, he loved that structure and he loved that rigidity. And he loved the positive attention that, that, that came from it. And so I, I actually had him again in 2007 when I was back on staff. And it was, it was easy. It was, it was not, yeah, it, it, was, it was easier because I knew him and I knew his trigger points. And, you know, still would play up. You'd still, be, you'd still catch yourself trying not to, to get stern with him and trying to be positive the whole time use positive reinforcement but you sometimes be calling him out um and then we i had a had a lovely week with him um and he was due back the following week i think was it the following week nicole yeah yeah the next day (laughs) it's the next next day and Um, and he, he, he walked up to Gene Moore. So he had Gene and Mike were the co-directors at the time. And he walked up to Gene Moore with his handmade cupcakes and said, Gene, Dan's going to meet my, my counsellor this week, isn't he? And Gene went, uh, OK, OK, Camper B. Yeah, Dan, inverted commas, will be, will be your counsellor this week. So he goes to check in, goes through, and he sees, he sees his counsellor, Dan Atori, that week. Um, so he wasn't overly impressed and then he realized it was a bit of a joke Um, but I think what what I really really loved about that was I could see that I'd had an impact on him and he definitely had an impact on me Um, he he made me really really push myself to be as positive as I could and to try and focus on him and help help him have a good time and clearly I'd had a positive influence on him and then I think it's one of those where I didn't see him again for about three or four years. And then he was there because his, his siblings would come to camp as well. And I saw him about three or four years later and, and asked him why he wasn't a camper. And he said he, was, he wasn't able to because he was off for a, a Future Leaders of America. So he'd, he'd been admitted onto that, 
that program and was off to do like the induction and the and the program there so he didn't have time to camp that year and i think i'd seen him not not that direct year-to-year growth but i'd seen him mature um and come out the other side and hope that i had a really really small part in that he definitely i still think about him a lot definitely had a big part in how i try and approach even my life now with our kids and how i try and be as as positive as I can even when they push all of my buttons that's awesome that's a great story Kat do you have um, someone yeah, in mind I, do. I don't know if my story is going to be as cohesive as <laughs> as Dan's um but I had a camper um I want to say it was 2005 and it was one of those sites that I initially looked at and I was like oh this is going to be a walk in the park because we're not going off site it's Wanaki Adventure. We're just going to, you know, go swimming, go do a craft, go play a game in the field. We've got the perfect number of kids, and I'm with an experienced counselor. So I thought I was in for a really easy, fun, just week at camp. Um, and I remember the first night we went up the hill, and I was with my group of girls, like, settling down in the cabin. And one of the girls... Um, she was just like, she was a lot more mature than the rest of the girls. And um, I was like, this is kind of hard because she's talking about things that are, you know, out of, really out of their age bracket and not really appropriate for camp generally. And then I remember walking down the hill, like either later that night or the next day. And she was really acting up and she was really um, like pressing all of, all of our buttons, really trying to um, break basically every rule that she could. And I was just like, this girl is not meant to be here. This is really hard. I'm going to talk to my co-counselor about her. And so I, I started to talk to him. And with one, one sentence, um, he told me what he knew about her. And he had basically counseled her before. And I think knew about her because of... Um, I think their communities had like inter intersected at some point. Anyway, he knew a bit of her backstory. And in that one sentence, I think I stopped in my tracks and I didn't know what to say. Um, because what he had described without going into any specific detail was a life unlike I had ever heard about or experienced firsthand and something that made me feel really, really sorry and really sad for the position that she was in. But because it was the first time I had ever come across um, any of these things and and anyone who had really experienced these things, um, I was really at a loss about what to do. I felt really outside of my comfort zone. I felt really scared to be a counselor for everybody else when so much of my time and thought was going into trying to keep one person just like following the rules for five minutes. Um, And I remember breaking down and talking to one of the nurses about it. And I think it was Carrie Way. And she was like, you know, sometimes you'll have someone who's experienced pain and trauma and you just want to take them and you want to hug them and you just want to make everything better. And sometimes you'll have someone who's experienced pain and trauma and they will do everything they can to push you away. And that's what she's doing. Because she's had so many people abandon her before. Um, and we worked, we worked really hard that week. And I remember by the end of the week, you know, we'd gone through adventure programming and we'd had experiences, um, uh, that kind of unified us as a group. And I think by the time we got to Thursday and Friday, the site had gelled in a way that I had never expected. And she had calmed down um, and had kind of bought into 
the ethos of camp and was like respecting the rules. And then um, by the time she left on Saturday, I don't think I've ever cried as hard during a celebration because she had grown so much in that week and changed so much for the better um, in that she was just respecting herself and the people around her um, and having fun, you know, and clearly feeling safe and feeling like she belonged. Um, that I realized and that I said, I don't, I don't ever want her to leave. I want her to stay here because camp is one place that I know that people can come and it doesn't matter where they come from um, or what has happened to them, but they can come and they can be here. They can be safe. They can be loved. They can be cared for. They have constants, um, you know, the same time for meals and things like that, that really make a difference, especially to children. Um, so I don't want her to leave. And I couldn't believe I was saying that like thinking back to Sunday and how incredibly hard it had been. Um, I think she is the reason why I kept going back to camp. Um, and I think she played a large part into me wanting to be a teacher because I knew the same thing would happen with kids going into my classroom um, and really wanting to take care of them, even if it was only from eight until three, but realizing that I could help provide them with a stable place um, that was safe and that was happy and that they could be themselves and they could be children during that time. Well, that was very cohesive and, and despite, I think, what maybe you thought. And I just am very appreciative that you shared that story and that both of you were able to bring that that joy and that light to camp that you know, I think that's the, one of the reasons we all love being there. So thank you both for sharing. And yeah, that was really amazing to listen to. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing both of those stories. Really wonderful. Um, maybe to switch gears a little bit, we, you talked a little bit earlier about directing survival camp. Um, we wanted to talk a little bit more about that and how you got involved in survival and about how the program had changed? I will start this off, <laughs> if that's okay. Dan um, counseled Pioneer Camp in 2004, and I think he was the last person uh, to counsel it. In 2005, um, the program committee decided that they wanted to do something a little bit different, and at that time, it was the height of the survivor the tv show mm. um ken and sharina were the program directors at that time and they asked me if i would lead survivor camp or survival camp and um i felt really honored because i was on like i grew up in the city i grew up in boston um and i <laughs> I felt like there were a lot of other people on staff that would probably be better suited because we had um, like Eagle Scouts. <laughs> um, and here I was like this little city bumpkin <laughs> um, just popping up there and they're like, no, we, we really want you to do it. Or maybe they were con like scheduling conflicts, but I felt really honored that they asked. Um, and so I wanted to make it awesome from the, from the get-go and I wanted to make it a bit like Pioneer Camp where you were learning skills and also a bit like Survivor, the TV show, because honestly, like everybody loved it and it was a bit of a game. So I wanted to make it like a game where you had to find things and like win challenges. Um, and then we wanted to make it, I don't know, quite different. I mean, I remember going with you, Nicole, and with Phil Palhemus and finding Site X um, which had been an old pioneer camping site at the back of the property. And we kind of cleared out the area. Do you remember that? <laughs> uh, of course. Every, like, what, what can we call it? And I think at that time I was obsessed with having my name on a cabin. So it was like, well, we could call it 
we can call it anything. And somehow Sidex came up like, we get to name this. So we're going to name it something really, really awesome. <laughs> but I don't know how we chose Sidex, do you? <laughs> I think we, yeah, I, I couldn't say for sure, but I think we decided that it had to be something <laughs> cool, obviously. Um, and it had to be something a little mysterious where you didn't know where it was because we were going to build up for the kids that they were going to be camping out <laughs> at this place, this place that no one has been yeah. to for years. And may not kind even of thing. So probably isn't even I want to keep property. Correct. <laughs> it's definitely correct. <laughs> I always assumed it was a really geeky like math joke because there was site nine and then site oh. X, site ten. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about that, Dan. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> pulled that one over on Cat 16 years ago. Wait a second. Still going strong. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we had that first, that first year, um, there were 12 campers, and I had an awesome co-counselor um, who was called Justin, and... Um, I got to counsel and direct, which was really fun, but also super crazy um, because it's a very hands-on camp. Um, and then the next year, uh, I directed it again and it got a little bit bigger. And it was maybe that year, maybe the year after, we added the seventh and eighth grade. So it initially it started as a fourth through sixth grade. Then it moved up to seventh and eighth grade. And can I just say at that stage it was like something out of lord of the flies cats campers would come down <laughs> covered it in mud like hadn't seen civilization in days all of them bearing sticks some of them barely even speaking english it was amazing i don't i don't remember that um and then it went over to james for a couple of years i feel like maybe one year we split james will remember his memory is much better than mine i feel like maybe one year he led one and I led the other and then maybe he led both of them for the next couple of years. Um, anyway, when I came back, we came back in 2009, we got married and then um, Mike and Jean asked if we wanted to take it over for 2010. Um, and by then it had grown a little bit more. So that first year that we took it over, Dan and I and Nicole, um, there were three sites, and we each got to council one, which was awesome. Um, and was it all fourth? Through? No, it was, that, it was fourth to eighth grade then. It was. We only had six in survival two. So we had, um, they, they pushed one up to, to make it up to, to six. So it's quite small at that stage. I think there were, there were 10 or 12 in the two survival one sites and six in the survival um, two so there were So it was Nicole, Dan, and myself. Um, who kind of joint led it and we I think going into it I know Dan and I had talked a lot about wanting to make it a camp that kids would come back to every year so we had I had grown up with um, footnotes being a camp that kids returned to every single year until they graduated high school and with swim camp which had campers come year after year and they would kind of move up levels and so those two camps really influenced where I wanted survival to go. Um, and thankfully that first year we had some really awesome campers that then came back the next year. And we had put a lot into making the first year really awesome. Um, and then we had to change the program and make the next year even more awesome. And then they came back the next year and we had to make it even more awesome. Um, and then it just felt like every year we were just trying to make it more awesome. And we would spend hours trying to plan all these really epic adventures um, until when we left in. Do you remember how many? I guess by then it had. Ex I don't remember exact numbers. Yeah, by, by then we'd also expanded it up. So um, we had a, a core group of about eight campers who were had basically gone all the way through the program. Um, and we had, I think five of them were ready to go, uh, were, were effectively ready to graduate and would leave if we didn't set up ultimate. And so that we, we talked to Nicole about it, who's on program committee and felt we could commit to ultimate with Nicole counseling ultimate. Um, but at that stage, Kath and I dropped off 
from counselling as well. So we we just went to full full time directing the programme because we then had two full um, survival one sites, one full survival two site, and it was actually got a, a full ultimate survival site. So we must have had somewhere between forty yeah. and fifty campers by then. Yeah. Um, and it, it felt natural to to run it in that way. And so, Amelia, you probably remember your first year of Ultimate. We were like, oh, we need something crazy for them to do. Let's find Mount Washington in the snow in August, <laughs> which was yeah. crazy. And I just remember being at the top uh, and it being freezing cold and having to get <laughs> bowls of chilli. And you guys were yep. having bowls of chilli at the top. And then Nicole buying you guys McDonald's on the way home. Yeah. Uh, and... And also the, the challenges have become, like, so we didn't just have survival games for um, survival one and survival two, but then we also had that first year we had, uh, we had the survival games, that effectively hunger games for you guys, um, mm-hmm. pl- played across family camp, which is epic. Um, and so it just, it felt like a natural progression, I think, Kat, didn't it? And Nicole, that we, we'd had this great group of campers grow up. Um, you, you said not to name <laughs> them, so I won't, but. One of them was called Amelia. You could name one of them. <laughs> <laughs> one of them was called Amelia. One of, one of them you interviewed, you interviewed for this series already. <laughs> so no, we, we, we had the, the, these kids and literally I'd watched you grow up. I'd, I'd watched the others grow up. Um, and I, I don't think any of us wanted to, to, to lose that. And we knew it would be a, a different challenge for us to put it in place, but it, it ended up being being amazing. Um, Nicole was lucky enough to, to counsel you. You had two years in a row, didn't you, as ultimate survival counselling, Nicole? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Kat and I Oh, no, I didn't, I, didn't counsel, I didn't counsel 2015, so that was, uh, that was my first year not mm-hmm. counselling either. Oh, Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think you, you had to give it up as well because by then it was so intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that, that's one of the things I remember that was so difficult about it was that we would have a group of campers. So if it was their first year, they were at, at, the, at, at one level and we had activities set up for that level. And you weren't in sight based on your year. You were just randomly grouped. And so we would be splitting the sites up for different periods of time for that survival time and they would go off and do their activities based on their levels and that took a lot of logistical planning getting you know getting the right campers to the right group getting the right counselor who's leading that activity so year one the Colcat and I did it all year two we started to ask the the counsellors to do it in terms of the, the leading the activities and that just yeah it just got continued big throughout. <laughs> it got really big <laughs> Well, and you said, um, Dan, that there was like a natural progression of, of things. And yeah, the first year of Ultimate, we hiked Mount Washington, which is like a natural progression, I think. And then the year after, I think someone told you, okay, you got to scale it back. And then we just, you were like, okay, I'll just put them in the woods for the week. And we just spent the week at our yeah. site sandwich in the woods. And we couldn't be happier to just sit around <laughs> You made an amazing bench across. I remember you made this this wicked table between two trees, and then we would come along and just to check how you guys are doing. And you're like, oh, we're, we're just making we're just making cheese, cheese toasties on the fire, making marshmallows on the fire. Yep, yep. We just I remember we just hung out in the woods all week. That was about it, <laughs> and it was perfect. The, the one thing I think Kat and I realised we, um, we, we probably didn't think about a lot with the, the core camp activities because the programme was so intense. We didn't start thinking about the other things that you really <laughs> should be doing as campers. And so I don't know if you, you noticed this, Amelia, that, that crafts never appeared within our schedule. <laughs> we just didn't have time for them and we still had to get in, get in place swimming and AP. And then the, the other thing we forgot, completely forgot about was canoeing. So normally when you do a fourth grade camp, you would canoe over to Monkey Island and so mm. you'd get used to canoeing. And we just, we didn't do it until the year we decided we would camp across the lake. 
And so we started to camp across the lake. And Kat and I realised we were in trouble when Amelia, our most experienced camper, and two of our other most experienced campers got stuck <laughs> on the wrong side of the lake. <laughs> and I had to canoe over to you. And we had to swap seats. So I had to pull someone from your canoe. Uh, I had to put another camper in so that we could actually get you across the lake and so Kat and I were talking about it that night and we were like uh yeah we probably need to do a bit more on the old camp skills like canoeing (laughs) I forgot about that yeah we did end up in in the bushes on the side of the lake it was Uh, a windy day though uh so very uh windy campers that don't know how to canoe everybody else is doing fine Uh, yeah it's a little gusty but there's like only one canoe that's way up oh dear (laughs) i think i was about to shout amelia can you go over there and help them and then i realized it was you oh my gosh (laughs) well it's funny because my mom always said how was canoeing to monkey island and i was like we didn't go and she was like why don't you canoe in survival camp (laughs) and we just never did but that's okay We were too busy doing other things. And I guess speaking of other things, um, we've been talking for a bit, but we'll just trudge forward. Um, Survival Camp has many traditions. And would you just share with the listeners maybe briefly about your favorite Survival Camp tradition? Or a story associated with one of those traditions. Mm. Yes. I mean, can I to talk about this? I think we, we both... So one of the traditions, as Kat's already said, it's, it's progression and activities. And so there's meant to be challenges through the week until you get to, to the last day challenge. And, and I think one of those last day challenges, or the, the last day challenge is all heading towards getting the survival T-shirt, which Kat would design every year. Um, we spent ages trying to design that and get it together. Um, and so I think a lot of our best memories revolve around that last day and and the activities of that last day and I think Kat and I both remember the same day quite distinctly and I'll let Kat Kat finish this off but I I remember I remember Nicole being with the the level one guys doing Kat's favorite thing which was the freeze t-shirt wait 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 hold hold on the levels of survival at that time were water earth and fire and so the water level like to finish their activities and their challenges to get their t-shirts it had to be something water-based and every year I thought if it's going to be a hot day this is going to be an awesome activity I'll freeze their t-shirts and then I'll be super hot one of those really really hot days at camp and and then they'll have to to get their t-shirts out of the ice and so I would spend ages trying to set it up like with t-shirts and different freezers spread across the dining hall and the farmhouse and every single year that we did this Dan and Nicole were like don't do that (laughs) I was like I'm doing it it's gonna be awesome (laughs) and every single year it was cold and rainy and so it was really really hard to unfreeze the t-shirts this year wasn't just rainy. This year was <laughs> it was a deluge. Okay, and so Nicole, Nicole is there with kids smashing the t-shirts to get the t-shirts <laughs> out, so that when they go into the dining hall to eat an amazing dinner, Kaylin had actually put on a circus-themed dinner, <laughs> and all of the all of the water kids showed up soaking all of them wanting to wear their soaking wet wet t-shirts yeah with holes in them because they've been bashing them against the floor okay so i i had i had the earth level and so i i had um some some of the boys who would end up going on to on to um ultimate with amelia so they they were a year behind you in terms of the program and I, I had then, and I think for me, this was one of those times where I realized that that group of, that group of boys are going to continue to do amazing things, that they were just really, really, we, we, we talked about core values at, at survival. That was one of the, one of the things. And so um, perseverance and determination were, were two of the core values. We were really, really keen to try and get the kids to, to think about um, and had rigged keeps coming back cat cat had rigged done an awesome job rigging their t-shirts in the top of a tree above 
um, the, there's an old cross circle we used as our, as our story fire circle that year. And it was jerry-rigged with ropes. And so they had to build a fire and burn the ropes and, and the t-shirts would drop down. But the cats already said it was a deluge. And so they were using spark sticks and, and cotton wool. But every time they, they tried that, cotton wool would just get soaked. They couldn't get it lit. And we must have spent about an hour trying to get that fire lit. And, and they did absolutely everything <laughs> they could. And I loved it. I loved every single minute of it because they, they were not giving up. They were just determined that they were going to get a fire going and they were going to burn that rope. And so I just, I just let them do it. We were late for dinner, um, but Bell had gone and I just let them do it. And they, you know, they, they eventually, you know, shaved, I shaved some, some, some wood for them. So they had some dry wood. They got that going. They found some birch bark. They got that going. It was, it was fantastic. And then passing over to Kat, she, she was with you, I think, Amelia. Well, wait a minute. I'm just wondering about the <laughs> order of events here because I remember this summer being the summer that we dug yes. the shirts at the water front yes. in the wrong location <laughs> yes. for That's... an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's that summer. And I just, so... in the pouring rain. The, the third okay, group yes, was at the water was front. that was happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, digging and I know you guys have already touched on this story before but there were only three campers um, in this level Amelia you were one of them and if I'm getting the story right I think Nicole went down with you first to dig up the shirts that were buried in the sand at the waterfront and then I think so. After an hour. That's correct. (laughs) So she came up and supervised the shirts being smashed against the rocks. (laughs) I think what happened was, was Kat prepared a nice map and Nicole couldn't read it or read coordinates wrong to the, uh, the campers. And, but the shirts were eventually found. So that was nice. Down there with, the three of you, Amelia, that was one of the best memories I have of camp because it was such such a sign of the determination and the perseverance. Like, the three of you did not want to give up. I'm sure there had been an X in the sand that had washed away. Whenever you dug, you know, five scoops of sand, water <laughs> would just pour into it. So you couldn't see anything that was being being dug, but you just none of you wanted to quit. You are like, no, we will get this. It doesn't matter if we have to stay here until tomorrow. It doesn't matter if we dig up the entire beach, which is not very big, (laughs) but we only have tiny shovels or our hands or something or like sticks. So we're going to do it. And you did. And then it was really exciting. And I'm sure they were soaking by then, even though they were buried in a box. It, yes, that was a great memory. And we did get them. And then we wanted to put them on, like Dan said. We were like, no, we want our soaking wet shirts. And you guys were like, don't you want dry ones? <laughs> Absolutely <Yeah>. not. <laughs> I think we, we were, we, it was a week where we were pretty much the only camp. We, we had a survival takeover that week. There were so many kids. And so we were, we were basically the entire dining hall, except for one little site of about six people. And so they were all there, clean and dry. And then we all come in muddy wet loud <laughs> shivering um because everyone was freezing cold but just remember that they made an exception <laughs> and you all got hot chocolates because everyone was that yeah. cold that night yeah. yeah it was to top it off it was a friday checkout yes. so we had we had all these kids in wet t-shirts soaking wet so cold yeah. in the dining hall to deliver to their parents yeah. shortly thereafter so that was uh yeah that was memorable but it was a highlight for mm-hmm. all four of us <laughs> thank you so much for sharing so many great stories with us um we like to finish with the same question for everyone so just one last question and that is what is one life lesson that you learned at camp um i think <laughs> like, there are so many but one would be take only pictures leave only footprints in how we deal with nature and our impact on the earth well for me i think the one of the most amazing things about being on staff is it's always it's a small group environment and it therefore means you can't just do your job if can's going to be successful you can't just focus in on 
doing just being a counter and doing that really really well or just being dining room hostess and doing that really really well you've got to pick up the slack and help other people and so i think for me no matter what i do what 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 i do with my work i, I always try and apply that mindset you know that i'm there as part of a team and that the more i give to other people and, and their activities the more i'm going to get from this that's definitely something i i drew a lot from at camp was working in that close mm-hmm. environment well, this has been so lovely. <laughs> and it's been great hearing stories and reminiscing. And Thanks throwing. so much for having us. Well, that was a really fun interview for me. Uh, as both Kat and Dan said, we directed and counseled Survival Camp together for a number of years. And uh, they're two of my they're two of my very best friends. So it was uh, it was really fun for me to hear some of their stories, some of the things that, although we have a lot of shared experiences together at Wanaki, it was also really great to hear some of their stories that weren't shared together to kind of get the get to know them a little bit better in different ways. Amelia, as uh, we mentioned in the episode, you were a camper of survival for a number of years. You were my camper. You were also either Cat or Dan's camper. Um, I'm wondering what your thoughts were on the interview. Getting to talk with Cat and Dan was such a pleasure, and I was so grateful to have them be a part of my Wanaki experience growing up. And it was so fun to reminisce on memories with them and learn more about how they got to Wanaki. And I'm so looking forward to the day that we can be at Wanaki together again. Yeah, I thought that this was um, just a really, a really great interview, and I loved getting to hear more about how Survival Camp came into being and about the inspiration and the work behind it and also just about what has what has made camp so special to them and to to their campers and we want to thank you all for joining us today and we hope you'll tune in to hear more from Wanaki Voices be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode in the meantime you can follow us on social media at Wanaki NH or visit our website wanaki.org grace and peace